1: I got swine flu.
0: By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Angeline Rudd. And before we get to Angeline, here's a few announcements. I'm going to give you the business right in your ear holes. Is that a saying? Probably not. Let's trend it, shall we? Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there to see photos of our guests, articles that some of the guests have written, articles that I've written. You can see links to the guests' social media. You can see links to our social media. What's our social media? Well, I'm glad you asked. Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page, which is Travel Tales Podcast. There's also links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. We're basically everywhere you get your podcasts. Go there. Find us. Like us. And if you can, I ask, as always, give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show by boosting our presence there. And that's a good thing you can do. Hey, you want to write me? You got travel questions? Maybe you think you'd be a good guest for the show. Maybe you know somebody who'd be a good guest for the show. Maybe you just want to say nice things. Tell me how awesome I am. Give me a big virtual email pat on the back. If you want to do any of those things, you could write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All righty then. Angeline Rudd. How did I meet Angeline? Was it through email? No. Was it through a publicist? No. Social media? No. It was actually the old school way. I met her at a party. Friend of the show, Laura Greer, photographer extraordinaire who I went to Uganda and Rwanda with to see the gorillas a couple years ago, lives not too far from me and she was having a little gathering. I was locked in a conversation with somebody about what else travel. And Angeline was there, overheard it. I think I was talking about Kilimanjaro. And she mentioned that she wanted to hike Kilimanjaro and then also mentioned that she hiked to Everest Base Camp, which I've said on here often is on my bucket list. We started to talk about travel and I learned that she lived in L.A. till about 11 and then moved to Louisville and spent those teen years in Louisville. And since then, she has spent a lot of time around the world. She's been to over 60 countries. She's always been on the move. She started following the Grateful Dead, which I got red flags all over, but she seemed to have survived okay. She was an exchange student in Belize. And from then, it just went on and on to Europe, backpacking around, taking odd jobs wherever she could, all the while coming back to Louisville to grow her real estate business. So while she was building this business, she was not only traveling, but she, get, she was getting involved in political causes, uh, charitable causes, whether it was in Colombia or Palestine. She's seen some things. And we talk about that a bit. Turns out she was just house-sitting here in Santa Monica at a sweet place on the beach. I need more friends in high places. I really do. Someone who'll just let me dog-sit at a beach house. Well, Angeline's got friends like that. And when this comes out, she will have returned back to Louisville. So I was lucky I got a chance to meet her when I did, in the short time she was here. And we became fast friends. She's managed to do a lot of interesting stuff in her life. And I really enjoyed my conversation with her, and I think you will too. Here's my chat with the lovely and charming Angeline Rudd.
1: I feel like I never quite fit in, like all through school, I was never in any cliques or any groups, and I just didn't feel like I belonged, but when I started traveling by myself, I went to, I followed the Grateful Dead, like in college, but after college, I was the first U.S. exchange student in Belize. And it was the first time that I met other travelers, and I, I felt like I belonged with them. Like, I felt like I finally met my people. And I, th- I think it maybe came from my dad. He left when I was one and passed when I was 11, but I, he worked in the military and he traveled a lot. So it had, because my mom, she was a school teacher. She, she thought I was insane and, and really struggled at first when I told her I wanted to go to Belize and go to Palestine and go to Colombia. And she was like, stop. How old were you? Mm, freshman in college and maybe senior in high school so
0: your mom allowed this to happen
1: she did i remember i had twenty dollars in my pocket and this wasn't the first show but i think this was like maybe my senior year and i i told my mom i wanted to start maybe it was the summer of my freshman year in college that i wanted to go on tour with the grateful dead and she thought i was crazy but the first show was in louisville um, and so I had $20 in my pocket and a bag of blow pops. I was going to sell these blow pops <laughs> for a dollar a piece to make money to travel. <laughs> that was a horrible plan. So I start going in and start, you know, cause at the shows you sell things like you're and, and it. People are just like, can I have one? I'm like, yeah, can I have one? And so I had $20. <laughs> I just gave them all the way. I had $20 in my pocket. My mom's like, just please call me from each city. And I was like, deal. So she dropped me off at freedom hall in, I just left and then I started hitching a ride and found these, first these like two older guys that were kind of like hustlers. Yeah, well, I was with them for the show. It was so funny. And they were like, You'd be fun for our act. And I think they were like comedians or something. (laughs) I'm not sure what. (laughs) (laughs) But I hung out with them for a couple hours. And then I put my finger in the air looking for a miracle. And then somebody handed me a free ticket to get in the show. That's what you do. You're not really supposed to sell. If you can't go, or if somebody you're with can't go, then you give them a miracle. So I got in the show. And then afterwards, I didn't know where I was going to go. And a lot of people were like camping at some campground, I think in Indiana so I just hitched a ride and this VW bus picked me up and these people from St. Louis were f- so amazing my age he had such a blast I camped with them and I ended up doing most of the dead shows with them I think we probably went to like 15 together all across the country in their VW bus I remember a lot of the older folks saying you miss the good old days you miss the, the real shows well they shows. say they have,
0: old people say that about
1: it <laughs> it's true those were the good old days yeah but I agree. It was um, there were, I felt like there were a lot of people there for the sense of community. Some people there for the music. Some people there for just the energy. And then some people there are like runaways, like just the drugs. They just wanted a party. But I was kind of the middle. I've never experienced a community where it wasn't about money. You could cope with 20 bucks in your pocket. So after all the blow pops, then I started selling 18-ounce um, oatmeal, Sammy Smith oatmeal stouts, made bank. And Wait then veggie grilled cheese. Oatmeal
0: stouts? Beers? Those
1: beers. Those big beers they would always have at the Dead Show. Sammy Smith oatmeal stouts. You pay them like maybe a buck and sell them for five.
0: I have never heard of these.
1: Whoa. Are
0: they just, do you get them like at Costco or something?
1: Yeah. Okay. I would buy in bulk. One time I bought <laughs> Sunny Delights and I bought like for that 20 bucks, Sunny, Sunny D's. It may cost like 10 cents a pop, you know, when you buy it in bulk. Sure. And I sold them. And I, I mean, I would come back from the shows with like four or 500 bucks. That's where I really learned to be an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. So I don't know your mom, <laughs> but My poor uh, mom. this doesn't sound like great.
1: Parenting
0: on, on the outside. I don't have kids, but who am I to judge?
1: It's so funny. I don't think I ran into too many people younger than me. Like I feel like everyone was like my age, but I, I guess I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. There were a few younger folks, right? But
0: but you were like a Burning Man person, weren't you? Or did you go? I've only
1: done one Burning Man, okay. and that was just. I'm the type of person that wants to experience everything once. Like I mean everything, right? <laughs> but like one time, then I can check it off the box
0: and. When you talked about the dead, about, you know, the sense of community. Yes. That kind of flowed into the same <laughs> it burning was, man thing.
1: But rainbow gatherings. I did a lot of those. Went to the national national forests and would spend like a month with other hippies. And there was like a...
0: A rainbow you know? gathering. I don't know these as much. Was this... when? Were, what years were these?
1: And that was after 95, after Jerry's passing. And some was during. But it's like all the people that were there, like following the dead for like the communal sense it was very there was no money allowed everyone just brought things to donate and then we had like trading circles you could trade things it was just very peaceful loving hippie magical it was magical okay
0: well, one more thing and then we'll get off the dead but was there was there a point where do you have a bad experience like you were like I, I better go home this is not working out
1: There, there was a point where I just knew I was done when I felt like it was kind of when fish started getting popular. And it was like the end of it was towards like maybe a year or two before I saw more and more people there for it was more of a pill, like when it was pot or even acid or mushrooms, there was just a different scene, a very peaceful, loving everyone's connected scene. I felt like once the pills started coming into the scene more, it was. Uh, there was a lot more agitation and more fights and kind of aggression. That's just my experience. And like the f- with the fish heads, you know, there was it was just so much more intense energy. And I didn't feel like I belonged as much. Plus, I had you know I had done my turn and yeah. Give it up to someone else. Yeah, sort of like scuba diving for me. Like once I did like 100 dives and I would see people occasionally kick the coral or do something and it's like even me on accident, I would accidentally like hit something and I'm like, okay, it's time for me to phase out a little bit to let somebody else. Because if you're going to leave a little footprint, you know, just maybe time yourself out a bit.
0: So talk about, okay, you went to Belize. Was that your first kind of like extended overseas trip?
1: Yes, and I was slightly terrified. I um, was just hanging out in the inner. I went to WKU, Western Kentucky University. Oh, you have to say go, that with an accent. Uh, it's a big red blood clot. I think it's supposed to be that? a red towel. The Hilltoppers? That's it.
0: That's, see, could you tell I use the right sports? I knew the mascots <laughs> and I played a lot of those. I might have played Western Kentucky.
1: That is awesome. It was small
0: enough that I might have played it. It was <laughs> a good basketball team. I,
1: that's what I hear. In Kentucky
0: I, everybody plays basketball.
1: It's true. It's we don't right. there's yeah. nothing else to do. You go to the bar and you play basketball. <laughs> right. That's it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and maybe The Hilltoppers. Yep. The Hilltoppers. So I was hanging out at in the International Exchange office just because I'd follow the dead and I knew I kind of had that inkling to travel. And so the the person there, her name was Donna Cheshire. She took me under her wing and she's like, we're going to start a international program in Belize. Are you interested? And I'm like, I don't have any money. I'm paying for college myself. I'm working full time. She's like, well, we can maybe help you know, sponsor, or do something with that. So I was like, sure. And so... You have to I was sell like blow pops. Just, <laughs> no, oh,
0: that I can do. I was
1: like, I have some right sunny delights. <laughs> but when I sold the Jim Bean and Cokes, that's where I made the most money. Yeah.
0: Like uh, <laughs> <mint juleps. laughs>
1: so she knew like the president of the country at the time or something. And so she sent me over there and it was... My mom would not even acknowledge the conversation about it until about two weeks before I was like, Mom, I'm leaving in two weeks. And she was like, no, you're not. And so I, we went to a party together, and I, she started telling people that I was going to go, and they were so excited for her and for me. She, she really changed her tune. So she was okay with it. I landed in Belize City. It was horrible. <laughs> the humidity. I was getting, like, the mosquitoes. So you
0: weren't in the islands. You were...
1: But the University uh. College of Belize was in Belize City.
0: Ugh. Okay. I I only went to Key Calker and you know, I love Key Cocker. Went diving and stuff. So,
1: Well, that's what happened. The first, because I only needed one credit to graduate and I studied um, marine biology. And, oh, sure. And so,
0: Scuba 101.
1: Right. The family nice. hated me. I didn't wear a bra. I didn't wear makeup. I had Birkenstocks and they were like, you know, they're super religious and they didn't like Americans anyway. So after the first month of them not talking to me, I decided to move out to the islands. I just took a boat in. I moved to Key Cocker. I took a boat in on Saturdays for class and then took right back out again <laughs> it was awesome why would
0: the so your host family didn't like Americans why they would they host did. they must have been paid they something. paid
1: very it turns out yeah. it was very I was paying $50 a month on Key Cocker for my rent and I, I was paying them like $550 oh yeah a they were month. doing
0: well <laughs> to hate you.
1: Doing well, baby They said, and just like women, they, they were like, "Well, women go through menstrual pain and labor pain because they're women, and they deserve to suffer because they are lesser than men." And I'm like, "I got here. Here,
0: I'm, uh, what? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, was, was that wrong? sorry <laughs>
1: Because oh, it was because we tempted Adam with the apple.
0: Oh no, really? Were they were that?
1: They were religious? there. Oh, yeah.
0: Boy. Oh. Boy.
1: That was fun. I wasn't allowed to talk to their son, who was really cool. And I wasn't allowed to lift weights with him because he had a gym in the garage and I wasn't allowed in there.
0: Because the girls don't lift weights. Girls
1: don't lift And I was oh. buff, too. Yeah, sure. You're, <laughs> supposed to, you're supposed
0: to have children by that time. Belize.
1: So how long
0: was Belize? A few months?
1: Four months. Four I finished the semester in marine biology.
0: Did that light the... The fuse of like, I got to travel, see the rest of the world now.
1: That was it. And Semana Santa, you know, their Easter break, I had two weeks and I met a guy on the island and we traveled through Guatemala together and... Guatemala was a place that my back went out after like going all the way through. And then we ended up in Antigua and my back went on on me. And I'm this wonderful woman just started taking care of me for like three days. I couldn't move. And I asked her what she was doing. And she said she was down in El Salvador doing missionary work, but she ended up burying, burying bodies the whole time. And I was like, say what? And I was like, why would you do that? She said, you need to go back to the US and learn about the political system. She's like, it was the US as they ran Contra Affair that gave enough weapons for every single citizen. In El Salvador and Nicaragua to have a gun, and I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Let's well, just go freedom. follow the Grateful well, Dead." Well, freedom,
0: you know, <laughs> uh, they got their freedom.
1: <laughs> but weren't there drugs involved too? No,
0: no um, got freedom and cocaine. It's good. It's a good deal.
1: So this woman completely changed my life. It's like she totally shifted my entire path. I had no sense of real passion except for traveling. But yeah, she opened my eyes, and I went back and I studied it and learned and.
0: So yeah. you went to El Salvador or Guatemala?
1: Uh, well, I haven't been to El Salvador. I did go to Nicaragua for a minute, but um, I went back to the U.S. after yeah. Belize and started volunteering on international solidarity projects and anti-racist work and LGBT stuff and started opening my eyes.
0: Right. And so, but was the idea, I mean, a lot of us don't have a plan in our 20s. We, we think we do. But then <laughs> it all figured the out. world has other Plans. But I mean were you gonna stay in Louisville or and maybe take little trips or was it like I wanna live abroad?
1: Um that's a very good question. I had no idea. I actually I wanted to see every country in the world. I in Louisville was a perfect home base because it's so affordable. It's easy to have a nest. Um I so I bought a little rental property that I could never afford, so the the owner financed me. I used it as a rental um, and I had that paid off in about four or five years so that I knew I had some sense of retirement. So I would wait tables or I was a whitewater rafting guide in West Virginia in the summers. I would do anything <laughs> I could do to make money to go travel more. And then in Europe, I... I was a spotlight engineer in Switzerland. I worked at a um, coffee shop in Dublin. I worked a, in Corfu as a bartender. We sat at the bar and fired a little biker camp. Wait a, <laughs> a minute. Okay, let's, let's <laughs> slow
0: down here. So, a spotlight coordinator?
1: Yeah, I know. Did you work in a theater? I, I had a friend, and when I was traveling through Belize, I was writing for the Rough Guide. Uh, met these four guys that were, became my best friends and we would like take Valium or smoke pot and then go like on these deep dives and just do spins underwater. We were insane and magical and Stefan it was from Switzerland so I went to visit him and he was like I'm going to Stavanger to... Uh, work at a spotlight engineer do you guys want a job and we're like yeah so we got to sleep under the stage and eat cheese and mayonnaise cheese and butter sandwiches and they paid us to run the spotlight but i didn't speak any swiss german at all so wherever he said i was in the opposite place that poor guy singing never had any light on him <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst spotlight engineer well, was
0: it like a theater show or was it like, it's a live outdoor concert like it was oh, a music um, concert okay
1: yeah, and I thought they thought they probably were like, "Oh, this American's gonna run spotlight for us." It yeah, was she's so, in the
0: show business. No, it, it was
1: one night. I like to claim I was a spotlight. It was one night. <laughs> it might have only been like one, a little section of a night. But yeah, couldn't they get
0: they, you a job selling beers or something?
1: Totally, eight. Stamie Smith's oatmeal stout. Yeah,
0: sell some oatmeal stout. Sell some blow blow pops.
1: pops. <laughs>
0: Um, so the, from there, you were in Dublin for
1: how long? Uh, so yeah, so I backpacked around Europe through 1995. And yeah, Dublin, I worked at a coffee shop, but you had to wear high heels. <laughs> from Birkenstock girl to high oh, heels. Oh, okay, mountain
0: girl, get up there. And you're...
1: <laughs> Dublin was very chic. Like it was...
0: Was it still... Like I it, think 90, Dublin hadn't started to come around yet, I don't think. In were
1: 95, they, I mean, like I did not... Was, feel Unlike when you, if you wanted to go to a club, like they sized you up, and you know, I was backpacking, so I was lucky if I bathed.
0: But when, yeah, I, I'm guessing you didn't have a really big problem getting
1: into
0: the club. <laughs> Me, yeah, I get I a little problem getting.
1: Oh my gosh! Even Ireland. Have you? Oh yeah, yeah, a couple times. So Galway, I worked in Galway. So I, so you take the train to Galway, and then I found like this hostel, and I asked them if I could clean their kitchen to stay for free, and so that way you get free food and you get to clean the kitchen, and they're like, yeah, but if you go to the train and pass out flyers and recruit people, then you know, then you could stay free. So I did that for a while, and then who? Wait, who is the band that sang "Creep"? I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. Oh, super. Radiohead. Radiohead was playing in Galway when I first landed. And so I pitched a tent on top of this beautiful cliff and it was a breezy and amazing sunset. Four o'clock in the morning, I found like the top of my tent in my face and it was just like the biggest wind and hailstorm. And that's Uh, Dublin weather. Dublin. I I had no idea. Ireland, Ireland, Galway. Yeah, that's when I learned. Mm -hmm. So that was Europe. And then I met a guy in London. I stayed with some people uh, in uh, London. so many
0: stories start this. And then I met and a guy. And then I met a the...
1: guy. And the very next day, we flew to Israel and landed at like 2 in the morning and didn't want to spring for a hostel, so we slept on the beach because I had no idea of the Middle East crisis.
0: So what year was this?
1: This was 96.
0: So you are You slept in Tel Aviv?
1: Tel Aviv on a beach. And Tel then... Aviv
0: is a party city. I didn't know. It
1: was Miami. It was yeah, South yeah. Beach. Yeah,
0: I had no idea when I got there. I was just like, oh, this is... Because Jerusalem is pretty serious and kind of more religious and heavy duty.
1: Yeah, very much. And it's interesting. The first time I went there, I was like this young kid that knew nothing about politics. And the second time I was there, you know, being witness to. Yeah,
0: you ran contra.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was.
0: Miss saving the world.
1: Kind of yeah. Human, How did you take to, to Israel? And I mean, they loved us. What was not to love about Tel Aviv and Israel? Yeah, like they loved us.
0: Yeah, but I mean, how did you take to it? I mean, it's not for everyone. A little, for me, went a long way. I mean, two weeks was a couple. It seemed like enough for me.
1: Oh, yeah. Tel Aviv only did for a few days. I met this Irish guy. We played pool, and then like, I went back when we made out a little bit. We just kissed. Okay. But like I uh, slept over to the there. Guy? Hold on. <laughs> oh. He he was Australian, but I met him in London. He was not a nice guy. Aww. But this guy too, he tried to strangle me. What? When I was sleeping. He was, I think, asleep, but he put his arm around me. I mean, all we did was kiss, I promise. But he had his arm around me while I was sleeping and he choked me to the point where I thought I was gonna die. So I managed to get his arm off me. He didn't seem to wake up, but then I left. But I wanted to kick him.
0: Oh my god. There's really
1: weird <laughs> Weird experiences on the road.
0: Okay, give us, that's one. <laughs> that's and since, fine. give me another one. I want another weird experience.
1: <laughs> oh, there's a lot. Any, like, like
0: really, anything scarier than that? Well, Women have like, it a little, I mean, you're traveling alone and you stand out.
1: Yeah. You're okay. a loud,
0: tall, blonde American. <laughs>
1: wait, wait, did you just say loud and <laughs> tall? I didn't say loud. Let me
0: rephrase that. But, you know, Americans in general. I'll
1: take it. Americans in
0: general were, <laughs> we're bigger loud. and louder.
1: And I was pretty oblivious at that stage yeah, in my life, The too. younger we are, the, the louder we are. Self-absorbed, and yes. Um, I was mugged so you could you could get followed
0: out of places. I mean, you would, you're a target. You know what I mean?
1: I was a target. Actually, it's amazing how little did happen to me from 60 countries, 70 whatever by myself. Um, but in Nicaragua, I was walking alone. I went to this. It was uh, just north of Costa Rica. I forgot the name of Granada. It's beautiful cobblestone little town and I was walking by myself. They had like this carnival thing that I walked to and so you could, I'm a gambler. Like you got to keep me away from that stuff because it's like they had this thing that I was so close to winning this game and I spent all my money like just trying to win this and I never won but there was a crowd of people around cheering me on. It was so exciting. So then I was walking home from that and these two guys were walking and I guess I didn't look around. There was no there was no one around but it it was not dark yet and they kind of split me and I walked in the middle but they didn't have eye contact like it was just I had my backpack and my watch one guy when he was right next to me pulled his arm out and like took me by the neck and pulled me down to the ground and then the other guy and they were trying to get my backpack and my watch but i grew up with two older brothers and like if i don't want someone to have something i'll and so i curl up in a ball and i just scream you know i don't know if you've had this a lot of women have where you have these dreams that you scream and nothing comes out no sound comes out so i never knew if that because that's a nightmare a current reoccurring nightmare i screamed and it was so freaking loud it was amazing i was so proud of myself so i screamed really loud and they were like trying to grab my backpack and my watch my watch broke and somehow i got it and i like curled it it was a worthless watch i don't know why i felt so compelled to like save my stuff they pushed me around a little bit but this guy from a bike came and he like hey stop and so then they ran away it was very fortunate and then like the police came and i'm trying to talk in spanish but i'm super panicked and i'm like i can't no bueno no, hablar yeah. espanol español. I'm like, I can't do anymore. And so that was, that was a weird one, but it had a happy ending. Yeah. I think they even fixed my watch.
0: Did they catch the guys? No.
1: No. Not that I know of. Not. Yeah.
0: So sort of happy it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you were safe. That's the, that's the happy end.
1: I mean, I landed in India at two in the morning and went to a $5 hostel, like in these alleyways. Oh,
0: that sounds
1: I caught awful. a bus at 3 a.m. in Cambodia and Phnom Penh. Like, all this crazy stuff I've done. I've met really, ran- oh, and when we were in Jordan, there was no more buses at night. We were on our way to Petra. There were four of us. And so this pickup truck comes by with four, four, um, Bedouins? No, they were from Iraq. The four oh. Iraqi guys. And this was in 1995. So Desert right. Storm wasn't too far behind um, or in front ahead. And so they picked us up and they're like, no more buses. You have to stay at our house tonight. And my friends were like, sure. And I'm like, guys, I'm the only American. I was like, they probably hate me. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but we did. And it was so sweet. Except that there was, you know, I was with my guy friend who was kind of a jerk. And then the other two, they're from New Zealand. And the, the, the Iraqi guys were like, is this your wife? Is this your girlfriend? Is this your wife? And he was like, no, we're just friends. Just say yes. I know. I was like, just dude. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. they offered him like 12 camels for me.
0: Oh, hey, good price. Who,
1: luckily, my friend didn't accept though. I guess that's a good price. I don't know, yeah. What's the price of a camel? I don't
0: know. We'll have to put you out there now and see what they, what you get.
1: I wonder if Google would give us an answer. Like, what's the value of 12 <laughs> camels in Iraq?
0: Um, uh, wait, so you said 60-something countries, even? Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, you, I think you have me beat there, Mike.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm a little older, so.
1: You're two years old. Well, uh So, India.
0: When was this, and why were you going? To, how long were you there?
1: Twice. The first time was a month. No, the first time was on the way to Tibet for a month spiritual pilgrimage in Tibet and Mount Everest base camp and stuff. So I went a few days before the group to see the Taj Mahal right. and check out Delhi, and just I like to be alone and get lost in places before I join groups. Um, so that was awesome.
0: So do I. But I mean, one of my favorite things to do when I get to a new city. Is no matter how long. First of all, if you're jet lagged, there's a big time change or something. I like to just, yeah, I want to stay up for the first night mm. till it gets dark and try to get on schedule. So I like throw my stuff in the hotel room and just kind of walk around the city and just get a vibe of things. You know, yeah, you can empty your pockets and just kind of like get put your luggage down and just take a walk.
1: Did you do that in Delhi?
0: So in Delhi, I get there.
1: <laughs> Let me hear yours. I get <laughs> I
0: get there in Delhi. <laughs> and uh, you know it's it's a long flight.
1: Uh huh. What time is it? It's just the afternoon,
0: like one, two in the afternoon. Okay. And I finally check it out. You know, it's the whole getting from the airport, get to the, ho- getting out of the airport, get right. from the airport to the hotel in the crazy traffic. Get <laughs> into the, the hotel, which is just people milling about everywhere in chaos in the lobby and everything. You get to the room, and I was like, oh, I got to stretch my legs. I've been sitting for fourteen hours or whatever. So I'm going to take a walk, throw my stuff, just like, all right, leave the hotel, ready to take a walk, maybe get something to eat. Yeah. And I think I lasted maybe 15, 20 minutes, and it was just, it was too much. It was like a sensory overload Very I mean, just much. people, the traffic, the smells, the animals in the road, the, the trash, um, the colors, the trash, the people... Coming up to me, you know, you're a victim, you know, trying to hustle me with whatever, hey,
1: constantly, like, and trying to
0: sell me something, or just trying to, and uh, and for about 15 minutes, I was like, you know, I'm good, I'm going <laughs> to walk back, and I went back to the hotel, got back to my room. I remember shutting the door behind me and just leaning against the door, like, what the hell was that? It was like, <laughs> oh my happened? god, I think I'm just going to stay in the hotel tonight. You know, just kind of, it was, it was, it was a lot. Like India uh-huh. is. I tell people it's like every extreme, you know, it's it's so it's extreme. so beautiful but the worst of it is still the worst poverty that I've ever seen and yes. and like you know, like I've been through Cambodia, I've been through Africa and places and seen slums there but this was like nothing I'd
1: Agreed. seen the
0: conditions were really bad.
1: Agreed. I find it fascinating that people try to eat pray love a lot with India and I'm like, "You go for that one." Yeah, you got to be a pretty
0: a strong kind of Traveler You know what you're getting into People kind of blindly go We're going to go see India And they're like Well you better Prepare Prepare. yourself If you're not It's not a beginner's trip
1: Uh, You know what I mean And all the honking horns Like I Oh this noise The
0: noise Because they're taught to like Honk your horn when you go through the intersection. Honk your horn when you pass somebody. Honk your horn if someone's in front of you. Honk your... And like, oh my God, enough.
1: Enough. It's a totally different translation. So I'm one of those believers. I read um, Jose Silva's Mind Control in college. I was a psych major. And so we... Our reality is how we perceive it. And so I changed my story with those honks. And I thought, okay, first it was like killing me. And I was like, oh, every time a a horn honks, it's an I love you. I love you. I love you. So I just
0: (laughs) An angel gets its wings.
1: An angel gets its wings. So people were telling me how much they loved me everywhere I went. It was spectacular. That's a lot of love coming at you. (laughs) It was so much love. But just,
0: it's a lot, you know. And but, like, it reminded me of, like, Africa in a way that in cities in poorer countries um, are not the place to be. You want to be out in the countryside. And so once I got in the countryside, mm-hmm. it, it was like, oh, this is, you know, I got into it. You know, it was a lot more tolerable, really. But the cities can be just, it's too much. It's overwhelming. Delhi
1: in particular. Except the India's weather, F, just about everywhere I went, maybe there was one or two exceptions. was pretty extreme.
0: Yeah, it could get super, super hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we go out in the yeah the countryside. It got cold all of a sudden in the morning. We're all freezing, and then. But did you go to Goa? I did. No, oh, I skipped. God, that's it right was up a your part alley. Of the
1: spiritual pilgrimage, it is and It isn't like I. You
0: know what? It would be up your 1995. It would be
1: Up your ninety-five alley, alley, but not now.
0: Maybe I mean it's it's uh-uh. there's a lot of partying uh, yeah. going on there, but. um...
1: The full you, moon like party it. in Thailand gave me that experience of...
0: Okay, you did the full moon the thing. 20-something. I, I saw the ad, and the flyers for the full moon party in, in Thailand and the many times I'm there, but... Is was, that in Koh Phi Phi?
1: Koh Samui, I think.
0: Well, I know... Yeah, Koh Samui I've been to a few times, but...
1: I think it was, it was... It might have been right off of Koh Samui, I think. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't one of the island islands. It was definitely in the mainland part okay. of Thailand. So what
0: goes on... At these famous full moon parties, full moon other moon than parties. a lot of, like, a hallucinogens and, and... That's it.
1: And neon lights and things that you gave up with Madonna in the 80s okay. were back with a, with a vengeance. super, And then, like, neon cocktails that 10-year-olds would be selling, 10-year-old <laughs> locals would be selling to the tourists. And a lot of, like, 20-year-olds, Brits and, like, people that I couldn't believe could go that hard and i think i went at like seven to see with a couple friends by nine i was like peace out and so i left and there was a lot of fire spinning there were some really cool things to see but i woke up at like six the next morning because i like the mornings and i walked back over there just to see the carnage it was still full force oh they were the music was thumping except a lot more people were naked and having sex on the beach some
0: naked germans (laughs) just walking around
1: (laughs) oh like they were on it like oh god It was a lot to witness, but I just, I love that people are living and that's the thing. Like I love America, but I just feel like so so often we're spectators of our lives and we're going routines and doing things that we're supposed to be doing, but I don't often see a lot of people really awake to life. And that's why I really love travelers because I feel like, plus the level of consumption that we do in this country, ignorant consumption.
0: Well, we're also, if there's one thing that like hardcore travelers or people who really make it a big part of their life have in common. It's just, it's curiosity, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, you wouldn't go to all these places if you weren't interested in it, you know? And and it's, I always laugh when people go, I'll say, uh, yeah, I just went to uh, Peru. And when I hear somebody say, oh, why'd you go, why would you want to go there? I know. When I hear that, I'm going, (laughs) Wow, that's not a traveler. You
1: know, it's,
0: it's like it seems so obvious to me. Well, I've never been. I find it curious about it, and I wanted to see it. I mean, what is? I guess, and they don't have. They don't have it. They don't have the curiosity, and I never understand the people that don't have the yeah. the curiosity. I've said this many times on here, but it's like I understand not having the money to go places, or not, or you know, there's always fear of the unknown and stuff like right. that. I get it, but I don't understand not having the curiosity about it. It's.
1: I was very odd in Kentucky after traveling all those countries and then coming back and wanting to share the stories but not having a lot of people that would want to listen. Yeah. I don't know there was a lot of people that were just turned off by the stories and a lot of my family members were like why 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 aren't you happy? Like what are you looking for that you don't yeah. have here? <laughs> I'm just, And that's the thing about traveling. You never have to read. You don't have to go to a classroom. You don't have to do anything to learn. You wake up in the morning. You go to bed that night. So much smarter. Yeah. So much more aware and awake to life.
0: I had a friend who would tell me "Here's like, what are you running from, Siegel? <laughs> that was like, what are you running from? I said, I'm not running from the world. I'm running to it. <laughs> and that you. was my answer. And that's true. That's how I see it. I mean, I don't see it as like trying to avoid living life it's like no I'm gonna go out and see life
1: and I think that's why it's only when I'm traveling do I really meet my people it's like because my or you can start
0: a podcast and talk (laughs) talk to them every week
1: that's perfect but it is true it's like I always felt like I was weird for loving what I love until I'm out there and I'm like oh there's all these other weirdos here
0: yeah no, I, I found those and like hostels were always good for that.
1: <laughs> they were, you know, they when were you first until met, we're like busting fifties. Uh, the oh yeah, no, and then we become like those people. You
0: outgrow the hostels pretty quickly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. I don't need to be, you know, next to this 22 year old <laughs> Dutch guy on Molly at four in the morning dancing in his bunk bed. It's like, I'm, I'm. I think I outdo this.
1: And I remember when I was in my early 20s seeing that occasional 40-year-old or 50-year-old like like, come in and you're like, God, I guess they don't have any money. Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, I've outgrown. Yeah, there's comes a point there you just can't. You can't do it
1: I did it though I did it I think leaving Phuket I had a flight That left at, like Four in the morning Or something And I was like Well if I have to get up At two or three like, Why pay for a hotel room For just a few hours of sleep So I think I paid my five bucks For a hostel I, I dealt with the, with the shame Of people in the bunk bed Next to me And I got up And caught my flight And I was proud For even trying And the truth is They were really nice to me Okay And it doesn't matter for that person No I
0: know But give, give me your worst okay. Hostel story
1: Oh, I'll give you my worst Belize story that's okay. terrifying. Um, so when a, that family ended up hating me, I moved out after that month. And I moved in where somebody in Belize City still close to the university. And she offered me like 300 bucks for the month. And I was like, great. So the first night I'm in there, she shows me the place. I put my stuff down. And there were a bunch of cockroaches in the kitchen. Mm. And it was not just like a couple. Because I'm fine with a couple. Let everyone live in peace. But then <laughs> she's like, it's okay. I'll spray it. So she sprayed it. Turns out my bedroom was right next to the kitchen. Mm. So I go to bed that night and I do there. Were, I saw a cup in my room. I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's late at night. I'll go to sleep. I woke up at like three or four in the morning with tickles up and like, like I was having dreams of being tickled. I wake uh. up, pull off the blankets. There's like 15 of them all up and down my leg. I push them off and I, and then I look up and one falls right on my nose. <laughs> like on my a face. cockroach fell on, cockroach your nose. Falls on my face and I was like ah! and so I pushed them all off I mean it's Belize City so it's like one of the highest crime rates I guess yeah. in Central America and so then I just curl up in a ball and wait for the sun to barely surface and I had all my shit packed and I just ran out of there Oh, that's
0: and, so and I was
1: reading Catcher that's a in the Rye of a movie. it was a crazy I, I wrote some on this and then I was reading Catcher in the Rye at the time so I, I was like I asked her I was like I need my money back that 300 bucks because I'm not going to stay here she goes you don't get it back and then I left like my rice and beans and mm, you don't keep my rice and beans so she basically said you don't get anything back so I left I went to class and then I was like I went with my friend to like northern Belize and I was reading catch on the Ride, and they were talking about yellow bellies and all that stuff and about being a coward I come back from that weekend I bang on her door and I was like you will give me my money back and you will give me my rice and beans and she did and I ran in there and I got my stuff and Good like
0: Holden Caulfield wins again
1: I was Fears
0: for people who are hearing. Uh, I have the windows open, and those are airplanes to the Santa Monica Airport. Yeah. So that's you know, I, I could shut all the windows, but then we would get no air in here. So
1: either that or the helicopters filming the homeless on Venice. Beach.
0: Yeah, there's it's the helicopters, hardening. sirens, people walking up the stairs. So if you hear any of this, folks, it's real life. That's what that is. <laughs> so sorry,
1: paparazzi deal everywhere. With it. They're deal trying with it, <laughs> trying to catch us. Uh,
0: so wait a minute. So. And any of these places, were, were most of the places you were at uh, traveling or was it mostly, or were you going to live in these places? And did you ever find one place where you're like, I want to live here? No, like?
1: I asked you that question. <laughs> I lived in Costa Rica for about six months and I worked at a language school um, and I love Costa Rica.
0: Where in Costa Rica were you?
1: Playa Flamingo, kind of close to Tamarindo.
0: Yeah, okay. Just
1: north of Tamarindo and then it would be like um, Nicaragua, just north of that yeah. And I loved it there. There's potential. There's so many. And then I've been going to this little town called Puerto Morelos. No one can go there. It's horrible. It's just south of <laughs> You've Cancun.
0: Just ruined it.
1: <laughs> it's just until it got overrun by tourists, and now it's horrible.
0: Well, is it like Maya Riviera, right?
1: It is. It is. I know it's Caribbean, but it's but a it's, little fisherman town that is protected by mangroves, so it hasn't been developed like Playa del so Carmen.
0: How f- is it south of Tulum or is it?
1: It's north. It's only 15 minutes south of the Cancun airport. It's in the Well, how could it gym. not be
0: found out by now? I mean, because that place is so goes, overbuilt.
1: Because I hopefully don't have a big following here because it's protected. <laughs> don't worry.
0: You're safe. <laughs> hey,
1: both you people listening.
0: Yeah, listen, you five people. Don't ruin that beach.
1: <laughs> it is because it can only be developed. It's only four streets. Uh, okay. Thick. But it's almost like a Cape Cod. It's a lot of expats now because it's gotten more expensive as sure. people discover it, but that is a potential. I don't know. I'm I'm I want to go to Montenegro. I want and my mom's transitioning through this life at at this point. So once she drops her body, <laughs> I really don't have a whole lot keeping me here. Well, so...
0: you are in uh, the real estate business. Yeah. So have you ever owned property out of the country?
1: No, I've been thinking about it, but uh, real estate exhausts me. I've been doing it for 20 years since basically following the Grateful Dead. 25 years. Um, and But it's it's kind of checked my financial box so that I don't have to stress about... The money piece of it. So, if I do settle somewhere, then yes, I'd buy real estate. And I was thinking of buying like a little condo in Puerto Morelos. But the truth is, I need no more stress in my life. And I have anxiety runs in my family, so I've checked my box. I've, I've had my anxiety and my stress around money, and it's like now I want to live. I want to live like I'm following the Grateful Dead. Super <laughs> simple, super humble, but zero stress on paying the bills.
0: Did you work your business in a way that? around travel there's like is Absolutely. that one of the reasons why you went to business for yourself you're like yep. i'm going to make my own hours
1: yeah cuz i knew like that's why i would just work to travel i worked to travel until i was about 30 something well at 30 i met a dude
0: uh,
1: <laughs> and we okay. Here's
0: how these stories start and where did what what godforsaken city did he drag you to? Actually,
1: we met in Louisville at a salsa club. He was half Canadian, half Mexican. And so we started the, a real estate investment company together and flipped properties. So that helped a lot. But I did still travel during that time. But I, it settled me a little bit. You know, okay. that whole relationship thing. Gotcha. Not doing that again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: Lesson learned. Lesson
1: learned. Um, someday. I'll
0: well, it comes it in, you know, it's un, unfair for women. In terms of, like, if you're going to have kids, you better, you you know, there's that window. And if you miss that window, I mean, was that ever not to get too personal? It was. was It was.
1: Like, in my mid-30s, I was like, okay, it's now or never. And should I or should I not? I've always been of that mindset that I want them as long as I don't have to do it alone. Traveling is fine alone. I did not want to raise a kid No,
0: it's a a two-person job. I don't know how single parents do it at all. It's hard enough for two, much less one and Dogs are almost a two-person... Job. You know what I mean? Just like <laughs> in terms of scheduling and doing
1: things. It is true. I have, like, I love inventions, and I came up with this idea somebody should do like a baby.com, sort of like match.com, where you have like, you say exactly how, like, your neighborhood and exactly how you want that kid to be raised, and they match you with like a, a gay couple or a divorcee or like a, an older guy. <laughs> Wait a that,
0: and you never see your child again?
1: <laughs> well, you know, you it's just a,
0: pass them off to. But somebody. that's the thing.
1: All my friends It's called like, adoption. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, but you share it because everyone like if they go through a divorce, they fight for custody. You spend like you you find them a year later and they're desperate to find a babysitter. And they're desperate to find somebody to watch their kids yeah. so that they can have a life. And I'm like, "Quit fighting for custody because you know in a year, you guys are going to want to share that kid. You don't you can't 24/7 be with that one child." That's, so yeah babymatch.com you have the gay boys and then it's saturday night so they go to the club mama watches them and then they live next door to each other and they agree on how they want to raise the kid and see, i thought it was like perfect
0: all right well, let's get the app going I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some disclosures there so this
0: relationship didn't work out and then did yeah. you did the did it start up again like full force traveling after that
1: to, um, it was more the political travel after that. And the truth is, I kept working hard. At, when I was 30, like, I decided to sell out a bit. I was doing a lot of social justice work and a lot of travel, but I decided to buckle down and tick off that, you know, meet that magical financial number to where you're not, you don't have to stress anymore.
0: $150.
1: <laughs> Almost. And so actually, I just checked that box. Like, uh, about a month ago. Congrats. Thank you. And so, I mean, it's been happening. I've been sort of shifting for about a year, but I don't know. I'm clearing the garden so that new things will grow. And and I don't know. I'm a whole new world right now.
0: What were some of the social justice things you did abroad that took you around?
1: I love that you said I was loud. Um, Social justice things. We're all loud. (laughs) Loud Americans. Yeah. Um, social justice. So, uh, after I met that woman in, in Guatemala, I came back and started doing international solidarity work. And cause I'm horrible with dates. I wrote them down. So in 2000, I was with witness for peace. Uh, and did a delegation to Colombia. And so basically the U.S. sponsors, you know, all of the raids and we spray on top of the coca crops. So the cocaine industry, it used to be in Bogota, but it's like a balloon. They squeeze one country out and then it goes into another country and they squeeze that country and it goes into another country. And so we were there because the U.S. gave like, 7 million dollars a day to Colombia for the drug war but yet our treatment centers had waiting have waiting lists you can see at the homeless like all the drug treatments in this country we have no funds but yet we were giving millions oh, yeah. of dollars every oh, day Oh drugs
0: won the drug war
1: the That's one of my favorite
0: won. That's one of my favorite <laughs> onion headlines drugs declare victory in drug war <laughs> drug
1: war It's true, but then you realize it's not really about the drugs at all. It's about they wanted the land for more cattle grazing, for our fast food industry in the US. It's really to secure our cheap resources in this country, is why we feel like we need to go into these other countries and steal their land and control the people and force them to grow certain things. And so basically, the coca crop was just the, the sideshow to keep us busy. Because everyone has one friend on drugs or one family member. And so, of course, you want to support anything that stops that. And so that's why I went to Colombia to ways, raise more awareness of why we're actually there and where our money's going and to show pictures of the incredible damage we're doing to try to get these these farmers, these campesinos, off of their farmland so that we could have more cattle raising. Mm. Um, you know, we basically murder them. We kill all of their crops so that they starve. It was It's pretty horrific. So... That was my first.
0: When were you there? Because I was just in... um, My last trip out of the country was in Medellin. 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 Medellin, Medellin, as they say.
1: I didn't go to Medellin. I've always wanted to. No, Really?
0: Drug war? You didn't go to Medellin? (laughs)
1: Right? So we went to a little town called Putamayo, but we started in Bogota. There was a group that went down to Medellin, but I wasn't in that. And then my second time in Colombia, I went to Cartagena uh, and was supposed to do another delegation, but realized I wasn't kind of able to do it.
0: Well, when I see people take on causes that are huge like this.
1: You mean like the drug war? Well, yeah, no,
0: anything like that. Or um, Or
1: a peace in the Middle East. Or it could be saving a rainforest (laughs) or whatever it is.
0: The patience it takes to take on something like that. I don't know how they don't get discouraged all the time. And when you tackle on something that big, I mean, it's basically the U.S. government, which is gigantic. It's huge. And how do you not get discouraged?
1: Well, one thing I think it's important to remember is that we kind of are supposed to be represented. Like the the government's supposed to represent, like we are a democracy, which means that our mm. vote is supposed to control our government. Like we are supposed to work together, but we don't. Um, but I hear what you're saying. And one inspiration to me is um, Mother Teresa in Calcutta. Her she, she had a lot of political clout. She could create change, but that wasn't why she was there. And this is what I heard. I don't know firsthand, but it really resonated with me. She said her job in life is to accompany and bear witness and be there and just offer support and comfort to people in their journey. And the truth is, none of us are free of suffering. It's Buddhist thought. you know, We're all going to have our path. And at some point, we can do what we can do. We can say what we can say. But we have to release the outcome. And sometimes we just do it for that sense of accompanying them and just raising awareness. And, and I do want to change the world, but I've learned that it – breaks my soul and I get so disappointed that my job is really to just do my best and I have to release there is none of us are getting out of here alive we're probably not going to have utopia on this planet but we can just keep doing our best
0: right right well in terms of that um what's left for you I mean there's I know we all have a bucket list but uh. where are have, having you gone that you're dying to go to
1: mm. I really want to try the French Riviera. I wanted to wow, di-
0: much different than much different. Calcutta. Yeah.
1: True, as far as the, I mean, I might go back to Palestine at some point, but that that really broke my soul. Like seeing what I saw and watching people indiscriminately get murdered and shot, and it it was so you saw people get shot. Yeah, yeah. Where? Well, we we, st- I, we flew in to try to, like, plant olive trees. We had a delegation from Kentucky. It was called International Solidarity Movement, and it was in 2002. It was when Arafat was there, and they were basically having another antifada. And so when we were, our plane was going over. It was a 24-hour plane ride they said that it, things were getting really tense and that we needed to turn around, but we didn't. And so we stayed. And so the first action we were in Jerusalem at a Arafat's office at the Orient house. And as soon as we walked over, there was like 250 of us, mostly like Italians. And it was people all over the world. And there were people with, with shields, like uh, Israeli guards with shields and with clubs. And then these giant horses came in from behind us with the men and, and the guards and clubs, and they just started beating everyone. They had us boxed in so we couldn't leave. It's not like they were trying to chase us away. They were trying to pulverize us. So I was able to duck into some barbershop, and they, like, hid me for a while, and and then after that, we went into Bethlehem, and they were getting ready to bulldoze a refugee camp, and they asked for volunteers to go in there, and I was one of, I didn't have kids, and I wasn't on medicine, and my, and, and I did it. So we spent, like, six days in that refugee camp with the f-16s flying over and shooting in and it was it was terrifying but yeah there were some tanks at one point in one of our actions that actually started shooting at us and the girl next to me got shot directly in the stomach um it it was yeah i'm not going to do that again no it's not on the list but the awareness of it has to stay alive because as soon as we left they bulldozed that refugee camp down and it's like it was all in vain, but hopefully if people, maybe you do, maybe one of the five listeners will pick up a torch and yeah. and do something, like something. Just be aware. It's our tax dollars. Quit paying taxes.
0: If you could <laughs> quit. Oh, really?
1: There's it's a, lo- a win-win. There's a lot of people doing that. Um,
0: okay. We got to wrap this up, but okay. uh, I'm going to do a speed round with you. Um, the worst flight you've ever had.
1: Never had a bad flight. Never had
0: a bad one. How I about love to fly? Any uh, other travel like boats, trains? Oh, worse, boy. any of those?
1: Okay, going back and forth to Belize um into Belize City to Key Cocker. Sometimes like I would take these tiny skiff boats and like we I worked on Turn F atoll doing scuba diving all the time. And so it was a 4 hours on these tiny skiff boats. Sometimes those wells would be so huge and spending 4 hours on a tiny little skiff boat w- was was partial, was kind of terrifying. Yeah. Uh trains, well you know going to going from Northern Guatemala down to Guat City in Antigua, there is this tiny little road where the bus, and they say that about once a month a bus would go off the cliff and I'm like let's hope it's not that oh time oh my god so that was terrifying plus the guy was hitting this, the driver was hitting the sauce a little bit but I oh, guess if you boy. were on that drive knowing that you have one, <laughs> if it was your time of the month to go so that was really scary
0: how about cops like anybody had to bribe anybody or any kind of border patrol or any kind yeah, of yeah
1: in like in Israel we were going to Jordan to float in the Dead Sea and then go to the like, yeah the yeah, I took those Occupy. photos. Reading yeah. the paper, I didn't know you were the... supposed to bring your passport. Like, who knew we were crossing over a border? So yeah. we had to bribe them because, well, you know what? I brought mine because I'm a badass. But I think the guy next to me didn't bring his. But you
0: needed a passport. Where were you coming from?
1: We Jordan. went from Tel Aviv and then going flirting the Dead Sea. You passed these checkpoints, and I felt oh. like maybe in the maybe the Dead yeah, Sea is if, Jordan. No. Is that still part of. Yeah, you can Israel? get
0: into it from Israel.
1: I think that it is both sides because I remember a it's missile divided. Yeah, it's divided.
0: The other side is, is Jordan. Jordan. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. But so we had to have. So we had to bribe them a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. There was a
0: lot of checkpoints in Israel. A lot of checkpoints.
1: I wonder why. I don't know. A little hmm. tense over
0: there. Um, <laughs> craziest thing you ever ate?
1: Oh. Did you do the insects
0: in Asia or did you do.
1: You know, I saw the insects in Asia. No, I did not. In, in Oaxaca, once a month, they do these little flying bugs, and they put it in their sauce and everything. I did that. I forgot the name of those, but I did eat some of that. I did not eat insects. South of France, I had rattlesnake. Okay. Um, but that's it. I'm not in a fear factor. That would be the one thing I could not do. But everything <laughs> else, I could do heights. I could do scary things. I do any activity.
0: So no, uh, any hospital visits in foreign countries?
1: almost india a couple times that food breakfast lunch and dinner i was i had so uh, sick. That's
0: the only place i got food poised
1: me too worst couple night times. of my life horrible a couple days like yeah. you really thought that death would be a blessing yeah tibet <laughs> happened to me too and in, in tibet I, oh we didn't talk about uh mount ever space camp
0: yes and i want to go so quickly what do i need do. to know
1: freaking cold Okay. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's just really no running water. Like, you bring your, your hand wipes because there's, there's, you're roughing it. There's no hot water. A lot of times, no running water. Um, and it's beautiful. And the people are amazing. And you are going to definitely get your visa. Yeah. I guess I haven't been to the Nepal side. I went to Tibet side.
0: Okay. Uh, one place, if you're looking, that, aside from Louisville, of course, or to LA. To live. To live. Where could you...
1: I don't know. I really want to explore South America. I haven't done like Peru and Chile. And I want to explore South America. You haven't been to Peru. Can you believe it? No. It's on my list. I really can't believe it. Only only Colombia and South America. So I've done a lot of Asia. I, I really want to do like the French Riviera. I've yeah. got to stay by an ocean because that's who I am. But I'm thinking South America.
0: You would like... Uh You'd like a lot of
1: it. Chile, Argentina, but I need yeah. this. I need Santa Monica weather, and I've actually Googled where in the world has Santa Monica weather.
0: Uh, Rio, uh, it's pretty good.
1: What about uh, the crime and the? It it's
0: bad, like it's... but we have crime here. You know what it is? It's just like, yes, it's there, but also it's you know, there's certain sections of the city you don't go, like here. There's certain sections really? of the city you don't go, but, they but you know there rough... is there is a lot of crime, but
1: they have a rough president there too.
0: Yeah, Brazil is yeah. Yeah. Um Buenos Aires I love. Do you? Yeah. It's it's a very it's the most European of cities there. You could be in Spain or in Italy or something really? like that in the Yeah, there's just the architecture and the kind of Yeah, it's cooler. Can
1: you swim in the water there?
0: Um most of the people go to um Uruguay like uh Punta del Este and stuff like that. It's really? that's pretty that's pretty Can
1: nice. Can you swim in that? Cause yeah, it yeah, seems, I did. Really? I did. And it was warmish? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Um, from what I remember, yes. But northern Brazil, I still haven't been to. I really want to go. Like the more African kind of, like Bahia and yeah. Salvador and stuff like that. I don't want to see that. I still haven't been to Chile. I've been down in Ushuaia, Argentina, like in Patagonia and stuff. That's really cool. Is it? If you're a mountain gal. You'd like that.
1: I like that, too. What about Ecuador? Have you done Ecuador? No. I, I, Galapagos
0: is on my list.
1: Me, too. And the Bolivian salt flats are on my list, too. Yep.
0: I haven't been there, either. But I have been to Peru and... uh yeah, Colombia, Panama.
1: I want to do like a 30-day, like start in Ecuador and work my way down and then go through Argentina and then go up the other way and then fly back out of Brazil.
0: Well, you got the time now.
1: I do. <laughs> i got to find someone to care for my little pup, but that's not hard.
0: If people want to like, hire you to do anything... This is where you get your plugs in. Oh. Do you want to like uh, drum up some business for your uh, real estate or anything like that? Is there a website people can visit? To
1: I see would you? like you to send me an email to Angelin, Angelyn, A N G E L Y N 42, at yahoo.com if you would like for me to be your personal travel guide. Just <laughs> pay for my trip and I will take you anywhere. Um, and
0: she'll bring blow pops and stout here. <laughs>
1: and sunny delights. Um, I am going to start a Zoom, I think, of how to travel for free. Because I work those credit cards, which they're now cracking down on. And I know the yeah. best airlines to fly where and, and how and at what point to book the tickets. Like I've been studying that stuff for 20 years, and I feel like I need to start marketing it a bit. Would
0: well, you think this would be a, a second career for you? Absolutely. Now that you have, uh, you're easing away off...
1: Real estate. Real estate. I'm really not lucky. Yes, I actually do think it could be. Something Are you travel. on Twitter
0: or uh, Instagram or anything like that?
1: I'm on all of it. I'm really bad with social media. So I'm just trying to stay present in life and just be with wherever I am, like be present to the cup nope. of tea. No, stare at
0: your phone all day long. Yeah. Just look at a screen.
1: But but yes, I do have all that and I am. I, I check them all daily. I just try to work on not being on them for more than 10 minutes a day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I can put links on there to your, If people want to follow you
1: or I love that, yes. What
0: What is your handle on Instagram?
1: Insta is Angeline42 Okay Because Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy It's the answer to life, the universe, and everything mm-hmm. Pretty random, 42
0: Okay um, I asked this with uh, everybody on the, on the show and What do you think all this travel Has taught you about yourself About <laughs> America And about the world in general How has it changed you as a person?
1: I belong somewhere with other travelers like my kindred spirits like that. That's where I need to be and who I need to be with. And I'm not an outsider when I'm talking with other travelers like it's a place I fit. Um, That's for me. Then America. uh, I'm just really hoping that we all wake up a little bit more. And I do have faith in us. If we if people know better, they will do better. So I'm hoping that more people will get out and travel to know better and then what was the third?
0: Was it taught you about people around the world? What has it taught you about humans?
1: You know, it's interesting. Around the world, a lot of people, we're so big in this country kind of to judge other countries based on their political system, but they're so good not to judge us. They know that we are not our government. And so people have loved me. Like my government and some countries I've been to has really hurt some of these other countries but yet they tend they still are so kind and compassionate and loving towards me and they're like we know you are your government like you can help change things but they're very kind like people in this world are so wonderful i've maybe once in a very blue moon ever met someone not nice like it's this country that's fearful and we think it's them but they're so lovely everywhere i go especially like Palestine, Jordan, all these places that we're taught to fear are the kindest people I've ever met in my entire life. Like everywhere. This is the hardest country to drive in. We have one of the hardest languages to learn. It's like (laughs) All these other places, it's like cake. It's wonderful. I hope more people get to explore it.
0: Me too. And that's one of the reasons I do this. I'm trying to promote people to get out there.
1: And I know thank you for you. No,
0: thank you for uh doing this. This was fun.
1: This is super fun. Yeah. Please edit a lot. Of okay. Yeah, <laughs> Come the on. hospital one, maybe. Okay, maybe.
0: <laughs> but thank you for the tequila.
1: Yeah, you weren't supposed to tell it. We've been drinking tequila. Oh no,
0: well that's okay. It's yeah, you know, kids can kids. <laughs> Don't do makes, this at home. Tequila makes life better.
1: We promise it's six PM. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, right. <laughs> Angeline Rudd, everyone. Such a long, long time to be gone. Short time to eat.